number nine, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to diving into the scriptures together this morning. And uh, you pray for me as I preach. Uh, with this, la- I mean, I know you're going to feel really bad for me, okay? This last week, Tress and I had the opportunity to do something we've never done before. We got away for a couple days. We actually went on a cruise. And so some of you maybe have had the opportunity to do that. And uh, we've never done that before. But I'm still dealing, I still feel like I'm on the boat. And so like all of you are like moving. It's, it's weird, all right? And so uh, as, I'm, as I'm preaching this morning, pray that I can stay focused because I kind of feel like I'm just kind of all over the place right now. And, uh, but uh, I, I am excited to preach through this passage this morning morning as we're going to look in John chapter number 9. But before we do, let's pray and ask for the Lord to help us, and then we'll dive into the scriptures together today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to be able to open your word. Now, God, for a few moments, I pray that you'd help us, um, Lord, to be able to hear from you. And God, I just ask that you'd speak through me. God, give me the words that you want me to say, and only those. And I pray, God, that what we say would be help. And um, Lord, this is a simple reminder from the scriptures. And God, even as I was reading through it and studying it, uh, even this morning, God, um, you were speaking to my heart. And I just pray, God, that you would use it in each and every person's heart that's here and uh, use it to minister in a, in a mighty and a powerful way. Thank you, God, for um, those that are here, those that are able to watch online. I pray, God, that each would sp- receive a blessing from you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in, in John chapter number eight, Jesus had kind of had a showdown in the temple with the the Pharisees, and he didn't beat around the bush like some preachers do. Uh, he didn't beat around the bush and and and, and sugarcoat things like like some maybe preachers today do. Uh, if Jesus were were uh, physically alive today in our presence and and were to come to uh, the church today, I, I think in most Baptist churches he he may not be welcome uh, because the way that Jesus preached he he preached very pointedly. He didn't uh, didn't uh, make things nice and easy to swallow. No, he oftentimes he cut right to the point, especially with those that were the religious crowd. In, in verse number thirty four of chapter number eight, he he preached against sin and then he said this. Jesus answered it unto them and verily verily I say. Unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Uh, sin is not something that's commonly preached by many pulpits today. Now, I, I like to think that here at Wild Baptist Church, we, we like to uh, point out and, and realize that we are sinners. And uh, we'll even talk about it more in the service today, but just understanding that that is a, a problem that we have. And thankfully, Jesus has provided a solution. He, he really got on them as he came to verse number 44 in chapter number 8. He said, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and bold not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a, a, a liar and a father of it. I mean, he, he really got on him. Uh, you're of your father the devil. How would you like that? Probably hurt your feelings a little bit if I came in this morning and said, "Listen, all of you, you're a bunch of uh, a bunch of liars, and you're of their father the devil." I mean, that would that would hurt your feelings, you know. And so I won't say that. Uh, we'll just let Jesus say it, okay? But uh, that's that's what he did. I mean, he really got on him, and uh, and then he goes on and he really stirred him up whenever he came to verse number fifty six because he said, "Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad." Then said the Jews unto him, "Thou art." Not 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus, I mean, he, he got him in verse number 58. He says to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, 
I am. And uh, oh man, you talk about really stirring these people up. The, the religious crowd here today knew exactly what he was talking about. Because religion says that Jesus is just another God or he's a good man, he's a prophet. I mean, that's what the disciples told Jesus in Matthew 16, 14 when Jesus asked them and said, who, who do some say that I am? And, and they said, some say that thou, that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I mean, that was what what, what the religious crowd pointed to and said who Jesus was. But here in, in verse number 58, Christ quoted two words from the Old Testament that would have gotten those Pharisees all riled up and stirred up whenever he just simply said, I am. A direct call back to uh, all the way back in Exodus chapter number 3 when Moses was standing there at that burning bush and he said, Whom should I say has sent me? And the Lord called out from that bush and said, I am that I am. And now Jesus here identifying himself and pointing out his eternality saying, Hey, listen, before Abraham was, I am. Am hey listen he was the self he is the self existent one and, and, and I'm telling you when he said it you can just feel the heat that came from the Pharisees in fact uh, the invitation was then given and we see their re- response in verse number fifty nine says then took they up stones to cast at him <laughs> it was quite the invitation uh, they they were ready to stone Jesus to death because of what he had said but the Bible says Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Powerful chapter, some, some amazing things. In fact, chapter number 8 of John is a great chapter when it comes to the deity of Christ, proving that Christ is God. And we find some, some amazing verses there. But what happens so many times is we get to the end of a chapter like this, it's easy to just kind of like take a breath, you know, and, and kind of pause. Maybe that's the end of your, your Bible study for the day, so you close your Bible, and, and, and then the next day you open up, it's a new day, and, and in your mind, it kind of transitions to the next story. But don't forget that the, the chapter headings, the verse numbers, they're not inspired. They, they weren't given to us by God. That was something that was put in there years later by man to, to help us to be able to read the scriptures easier so that I could say, hey, turn to John chapter number nine and you knew where to go instead of just saying, hey, listen, open up your Bible and that book named John and, and uh, find your way to this verse that says this and, and everybody be confused because nobody know where it was. No, they, they're, they're there for a purpose, but they're not inspired by God. And, and the reality is this. Verse number 59 leads right into the first verse of chapter number 9. Right after Jesus had just had this, this really confrontation with the Pharisees in the temple, the Bible tells us that he went out of the temple in verse number 59. And as he went out of the temple, we come to verse number 1 of chapter number 9. And the Bible says this, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. The disciples here, as as Jesus walks out of the the temple on this day, and as he makes his way out, here sitting along on the side of the temple was a man who was born blind, the Bible tells us, and he was begging for alms. 
I mean, that makes sense. This would be the place that you would go if you were looking for somebody to to help you, to give you some money, to to give you a blessing. Where else would you go except for the religious temple? I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, people had just gone unto the temple and ideally gotten some things right and on their way walking back out. I mean, it just was a perfect opportunity. Here's a guy in need. Oh yeah, here's a few few dollars. Here's a a few coins to help you along your way. Here, here, I want to be a blessing to him. So here he is out there. He's begging for alms asking for help and as he does the bible tells us jesus passes by and as he passes by the disciples speak up it's kind of funny what they say there in in verse number two the disciples ask him saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind first glance that's kind of cruel i mean can you imagine i mean you're you know here he is this guy he's sitting out here he's blind he doesn't even see jesus and the disciples walk out and yet they walk out and jesus passes by and the disciples hey hey jesus uh this guy right here um why was he born blind was it because of his parents or was it because of him you know i mean it's just like what you know i mean it's kind of cruel right uh whenever you first look at it but but what was really happening here was the disciples were trying to show just how spiritual they were. They were trying to, to, to give this appearance of, of spirituality and, 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 and knowledge of, of tradition and things like that because the Pharisees had a teaching that if a, if a baby was born with some type of physical ailment, that the cause of that physical ailment was either because the parents had sinned or because somehow, some way, that baby while it was in the womb had sinned. That was their teaching. That was their belief. And so here, the disciples are, are trying to show off, oh, look how, how, uh, how much we know. I mean, the Pharisees think they know so much, but, but listen to us. Hey, Jesus, why, why was this, this man born blind? Was it because of, of his sin, or was it because of the sins of his parents? And, and Jesus straightens them out right away. He explains the reason for this man's blindness in verse number 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. You guys are a bunch of jokers. He says, you guys have no idea what you're even talking about. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Jesus says to his disciples, there's some things, some works that I want to accomplish. There's some lessons that I want to teach. And that is the reason this man was born blind. You know what he's saying? He was saying there's a purpose for the affliction. How often in your life have you gotten to that place where you've asked the question, why? Lord, why? I don't understand. I, I, I can't, can't wrap my mind around it. God, why is this happening? I mean, for years, this, this guy had been there begging for alms, wondering, no doubt, why was I born blind? Why me? Why did I have to go through this? No doubt people in this room have gone through those same types of questions. Lord, why? Why was I born in the home that I had to grow up in? God, why did I lose my parents whenever they were so young? Why, why did I have to go through those, those painful 
things that happened in my youth. Why, God, did I have to have that, that painful disease? Why is my family member going through this? God, why? The reality is, is many times it can be years before you understand why. And oftentimes, you don't understand until you're in the presence of God Himself. But here for just a moment in John chapter number 9, Jesus in the Scriptures pulls back the veil for us. He gives us a glimpse into why this man, who was born in this, with this physical ailment of blindness, why he was born blind. The reason why is because the Bible tells us it was for the works of God to be made manifest in Him. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and we find this incredible account, and we see a few of those works that Jesus tells, this, that tells us that this man was born blind for. He pulls back that veil for us and He says, listen, you may not always understand why you're going through what you're going through. Why you're facing what you're facing. You may not understand all the details of what's happening. But he says, for a few moments, I want to show you in the life of one man why he went through what he went through. And hopefully for us this morning, it'll give a little bit of comfort. That God never makes mistakes. And he never wastes a trial. There's always an answer to the question, why? even when we may not be able to see it. The first reason, the first thing that we see here, the glimpse that God gives us of how God worked through the blind man's affliction was this. First of all, He did it to show the power of faith. To show the power of faith. Look down at verse number 6. The Bible says this, When He had thus spoken, He spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is... By interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seen. Can you picture the, the situation with me? This blind man sitting outside of the temple. I mean, he's, he's been here for no doubt years begging for alms. And all of a sudden, Jesus and his disciples walk out past him. And, and, and as he's, he's walking out there, the, this man is sitting here and he's begging, Hey, do you have anything for the poor? Do you have anything for the blind? Do you have anything for me? I, I need a, a little help today. Can, can you give me something? And, and, and Jesus walks out there. And what's interesting is this man, we don't have recorded in Scripture that he looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, will you heal me of my blindness? In fact, we don't actually have that he said anything at all. The man was blind. He may not even realize, have realized that Jesus and his disciples were walking by. All of a sudden, they're sitting there. And can you imagine? He's sitting there and in his blindness. He's not saying anything. He's not bothering anybody. He's not, I mean, he's just, he's just trying to get through the day, you know. He's sitting there and all of a sudden, he hears these guys start talking. And he realizes it's about him. I mean, these guys, they walk out and, hey, listen, Jesus, why is this guy born blind? And he's like, really? Like, come on. Like, are you I mean, like, at my expense, right? And Jesus speaks out and he says that the works of God may be man, made manifest in him. That's, that's why he's born blind. This guy's like, what is going on? Like, what, what's happening here? He doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't know who the disciples are. Then all of a sudden, he, he, as he's sitting there, he hears something. He's sitting there on the, the ground. And all of a sudden, he hears a, 
He's like, did that guy just spit at me? I mean, like, uh, I mean, how, what a terrible thing. I mean, can you imagine? And, and then all of a sudden, he, he starts to hear the sound in front of him. It's kind of this sloshing together of, 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 of dirt and spit. And he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, the hands of Jesus take this, this mud, this clay that he just made, and he begins to put it on this man's eyes. This guy has not said anything this whole time. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? He's thinking, what in the world is happening here? And then Jesus, he tells him, go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. This man demonstrates for us the power that there is in faith. Because you understand, he never questioned Christ's plan. He, he, he doesn't sit here and say, what, Jesus, what are you doing? What, why are your guys, why are they so mean? <laughs> he, he, he's not there. He didn't look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus, that's a long walk, don't you know? And I'm a blind man. Jesus, why can't you just, why can't, you want me to wash my eyes? Why don't you just get some water? Maybe you can walk down there and get some water and you can put it on my, my face and rinse my eyes out. I don't see how this is going to work. That's not the way that I've always done things. What about all the money this is going to cost me that I'm going to lose? How am I even going to eat today? He never questioned Christ's plan. He wasn't concerned with the religious crowd. He, he was sitting outside the temple and all the religious scholars can, can tell me that, that that was a little bit above 300 feet away from the pool of Siloam. From the steps of the temple to the pool of Siloam. It was about 300 feet. That means for him to make the trip to the pool, it was a little over 6,000 feet, 6,000 steps that he would have had to take. The Pharisees, they had a law, much like they often did. They had a law for everything, all right? They had a law that said you were only allowed to walk a little over 6,000 feet in the day. Now listen, I, on, on, on a Sabbath day, you're only allowed to walk 6,000 feet in the Sabbath day. I, I kind of think, maybe, maybe hope, that the pool to Siloam was, was just a little bit further than that. Okay, I mean, that's kind of in my mind. That's, that's what I picture. I just kind of think that it was just a little bit. There was no doubt probably other pools, but I think Jesus knew. And he said, listen, I want you to go and wash in that pool specifically. Because you got to understand, listen, you, you, you can't depend, you can't be afraid of what the religious crowd is going to think of you. No, he wasn't concerned with them. He wasn't concerned with what they had to say, what they had to think. He was only concerned with what Christ told him. You want to know why? Because he had gone, no doubt, to the religious people before. He tried religion, and he found that it left him empty and without his need being met. But there was something about the words of Jesus that made him get up and go. No, this guy, he simply had faith. And when he followed God's word by faith, he found just how powerful that faith can be. 
Can you imagine the scene as he made his way there to the pool of Siloam as he, as he walked down into the water and, 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 and he didn't know how to get in just right, but he found the water and found it was, uh, you know, okay, I think I'm in the right place here. Is this the right pool? Yeah, this is the right pool. Okay. And, and as he knelt down and as he grabbed the water in his hand and, and he took it and he put it on his eyes. And maybe at first as he washed his eyes and he kind of blinked, everything was really blurry. But suddenly he saw something he'd never seen before. He saw some light. and He began to see some, some figures moving. And all of a sudden he went down. He grabbed it again and he did it again. And now a little bit faster. Now he's putting his face in the water and he's rubbing his eyes. And, and all of a sudden he opens his eyes and he realized for the first time in his life, I can see. I can see. Jesus told me to come here and watch, and I can see, oh, the power that there was in simply having faith. Isn't it ironic that the Bible tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight? In Hebrews 11, verse number 6, he says, oh, but, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In Hebrews chapter number 11, over and over and over and over and over again, we have stories that by faith, they saw the power of God. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. And then after it says their name, it tells of a great work that God did in their life because they lived by faith. Hebrews, is a, we've said it before, is a great commentary on the book of, of, of Genesis. And, and sometimes we ask the question, well, why, why in Genesis was Abel's sacrifice accepted and, he, and, 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 and Cain's sacrifice rejected? Why was it? Well, the answer is in Hebrews chapter number 11. It says this, by faith Abel. It was given by faith. It was offered by faith. And God received it. Why? Because it was given by faith. They saw God do great things. Because they stepped out in simple faith. And God will allow us to go through times of testing and affliction so that by faith we can respond and see the power of God. I'm sure when this man first heard what, heard what Jesus told him to do, there was probably doubt in his mind. No doubt he'd had people tell him before, hey, why don't you try this or why don't you go over here? Go talk to these guys. I mean, he, no doubt he tried all that he could. He tried the ointments. He tried all the things. And nothing had helped. But on this day, everything changed. Because at the word of Jesus, he decided to just obey. And no doubt there was doubt in his mind. But he chose to trust God more than his doubt. And friend, understand, sometimes we get in our minds that faith is living without doubt. But that's not what it is. Faith is simply trusting God more than our doubt. When, when the doubt creeps in and says, no, that's impossible, that could never it's saying, God, I'm going to trust you a little bit more because I believe, God, that you can, that you are. I want to trust in you. 
In Mark 9.24, he says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. It's keeping our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. God worked through the blind man's affliction to show the power of simple faith. But not only that, He worked through the blind man's affliction to share what Jesus had done. Look at verse number 10 with me. The Bible says this, if you have your Bible, Therefore said they unto Him, How were thine eyes opened? He gets around the crowd. How, how did this happen? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Look at verse number 13. They brought to him, brought to, brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was a blind. And, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, he put clay in my, upon mine eyes, and I washed, and I do see. You know what he said? He said, listen, everywhere that he went, he said, listen, once I was blind, but now I see. Can you imagine this guy at work next week? I mean, like he, he goes into work and, and, and somebody's trying to, to look at something. And he says, listen, he says, uh, you want me to read that for you? <laughs> I, know, I know it's a little further far away, but listen, I, I can read it for you because listen, listen, I once was blind, but now I see. I mean, like, I mean, just amazing. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, a few weeks later, I mean, there he is. He's driving his chariot down the road and he gets pulled over, you know, and, uh, you know, he didn't use his turn signal. And the police officer comes up to him. Hey, sir, can I see your license and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, proof of insurance? And, and he, oh, yeah, 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 let me grab it for you. He pulls it out and he gives it to the guy. And the, and, and the, the police officer looks at it and kind of does a double take at this guy and says, listen, sir, you're not supposed to be driving. This here says that you're blind. And he says, well, you know, I, that's a little outdated. I need to get that updated. Because, you see, here's, once I was blind, but now I see. I mean, he, he, when he got older, you can imagine what it was like to have him as a grandpa. You know, some grandparents, they like to tell stories about all the things that they did whenever they were young. I had, I had some grandparents like that. And I can remember before my grandpa passed away, going to his house, and we sat there. And, hey, tell us some stories. And his voice was kind of quiet. You had to listen real close. But he'd tell all kinds of stories about all the things that he did when he was young. My grandma, uh, I love her. Uh, I loved her. And before she passed away, you could ask any of our family. She, she always loved to talk about how great she was when she was younger. And uh, she'd tell us about when she was in school, how she was stronger than all the boys. And she could jump higher than all the boys. She was faster than all the boys. And we're like, Grandma, we don't care. You know, and it was just, I mean, she, she loved to tell us about all these different things and, and some of your grandparents, and you understand, okay? But, but listen, uh, th this guy, can you imagine? I mean, he, he'd pull his grandkids up there, and, and listen, he was one of the grandparents who didn't talk about how great he was or things that he did. He told the same story every time. <laughs> it's just every time they sat next to him, gather around, hey kids, hey, listen, I don't think I've told you this one yet. Oh, Grandpa, we've heard this one a hundred times. No, listen, listen, I want to tell you, listen, there was a day I was blind. Oh, but it changed everything. Because once I was blind, but now I see. Everywhere he went, he told his story. Friend, we talked about it last week, but the, the reality is the praise of God ought to always be 
on our lips. We ought to constantly be talking about the Lord with other people. It ought to be something that consumes our life. Talking about the goodness of God. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down uh, from the Father a light of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In Psalm 35, verse 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. You say, well, what should I praise God for? Kind of having a hard time scratching it up. Well, listen, let me give you a couple of things. We should praise Him because He forgives sin. We should praise Him because He forgives sin. And Psalm 51, 15, He says, Lord, open down my lips and my mouth shall show forth Thy praise. He, he forgives sin when you are saved. And listen, friend, He forgives your sin so you can have a sweet relationship with Him. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful that every time you come to God and you say, God, I am sorry, would you forgive me? Every time He says yes. Can I be honest with you? That's not my testimony. <laughs> if, you, if you've been married and are in a relationship for very long, you know that there are times where you come to your spouse and you say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And you, you say, not yet. I mean, you know, you don't say it maybe, but, but that's what you're thinking, okay? You're like, I just got to hold on to it a little bit longer, okay? And uh, I mean, that's, that's the way that it goes, right? Not with Jesus and not with God. Every time you come to him, God, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Every time he says yes. Every time. Oh, that's a lot to praise God for. That's a lot to be thankful for. We should praise him because we were created by him. Aren't you glad that you were created? By God? Because if you weren't, you, you wouldn't be here today, okay? That would be a big deal, okay? I'm thankful that I was created by God. In Psalm 139, verse number 14, he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God created and designed you for a purpose. And in a world, listen, that val does not value the sanctity of life, you should praise him because you are precious in his sight. We heard the song earlier, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me. Do you understand that? Before he formed you in the belly, in the womb, God knew you. And he ordained you. And he's given you a purpose. And in a world that, that doesn't value life, oh, we ought to praise God that he's given us life. That he created us with a purpose. We should praise Him because He's a personal God. Psalm 18, verse 28. Thou art my God. I will praise Thee. Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee. When's the last time that you just, you just sat down and you really just started to, to realize that, yes, He's the God that created the universe. Yes, He's the God that in Genesis chapter number 1, that He spoke and there it was. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God, listen, God did it. He spoke, and there it was. God made the earth. He, he divided the firmament from the firmament. He created the waters. He created the dry land. He created every animal that we get to enjoy. He created all of it. And by the way, the Bible, I love it. It's just kind of an afterthought. He made the stars also. 
did that. But friend, don't forget, the same God that created the universe that our minds and, and science cannot comprehend, that same God is your personal God. He's my God. And He loves me. And He knows the name of every star in the universe. And He numbers every hair on our heads. And He knows your name. And He knows everything that you're going through. Everything that you're facing. And He knows it before you even get to it. There's not a trial that you face that isn't tailor-made just for you. Oh, we should thank God because He's my God. When you take a sponge and you squeeze it, you know what comes out? Whatever it's been soaking in. In life, when you get squeezed, what comes out? I can promise you this, it's whatever you've been soaking in. How many of us Life gets a little, a little hard. What's the first thing we do? I just can't believe this government. Ugh. I just wish that we just had a new president. I just wish that, that the politics were different. Oh, look at the gas prices. Ugh. Oftentimes it's because that's what we've been soaking in all the time. When's the last time that you got squeezed and you just said, you know, I'm thankful that I'm God's and he knows this trial that I'm facing and he's in control and I can trust him. Matthew 12 verse 34 says this, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? And then he says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, if we would spend time soaking in the goodness of God and in His Word, maybe instead of complaining when things get hard, that's what would come out. Maybe instead of immediately going to blaming the politics and, 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 and blaming uh, the weather and, and, and blaming all the other, the, instead of blaming everything and complaining about everything, maybe instead we would just instead say, God, I am just thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that I live in America. Trust and I, this last week, we had the opportunity to go to a couple of places. And, and uh, whenever we got off and we were walking down a few of the streets and things like that, and you saw some of the things, Trust made the comment, she said, man, they need to invest some money in infrastructure here, right? You know, you're walking down the sidewalks and they're up and down and it's, it's kind of all over the place and you're looking at it and, and, and you see some of the people and things like that. And, and the reality starts to hit you that, listen, this isn't, we're not in America. This is very different. They don't get to enjoy the luxuries that we get to have. You know, things like riding in a car with air conditioning. <laughs> or this time of year, riding in a car with heat, you know. Really good at complaining when we get squeezed. And I wonder how many times we've been spending so much time just soaking in God that when we get squeezed, that's what comes out. See, this guy in his life changed forever. 
And I kind of think no matter what he faced the rest of his life, he just looked back and he was like, listen, I know that we got bills that we need to pay and, and work is hard and, and there's a lot of difficult things, but I can tell you this, there was a day where I was sitting on some steps outside of a temple and I had no hope of my life going anywhere. But on that day, everything changed because once I was blind, but now I see. Oh, he spoke about it everywhere that he went. And friend, today I hope we can see God's work through this blind man's affliction to show the power of faith, to share what Jesus had done, and finally this morning, to save the man's soul. Now this is interesting because oftentimes we, we get our doctrine oftentimes and, and our beliefs from the Scripture from, from good old hymns, don't we? Alright? So, so like for this, like this example, I, I once, once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And we hear that song and we think Fanny Crosby was writing about this blind man, but actually it was her personal testimony. But, but we, we hear that song, and when we hear that song, we think, oh, we apply it right here to the Scripture and think, man, whenever that man, whenever he was able to see, that was the moment he got saved. But can I be honest with you? I, I don't think that's when the man got saved. And I believe it for two reasons. The first reason is because of verse number 25. The Bible says this, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no. They asked him, they said, who is this Jesus? He said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Listen, friend, if you're not sure about who Jesus is, you can't be saved. You understand that your salvation is based upon what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. The very fact of who He is. That Jesus is the perfect, sinless Son of God. If you don't believe that, you can't be saved. Because if Jesus is not the Son of God, if Jesus is not perfect, then His death on the cross cannot pay for your sins. And you are then in turn in a very difficult place. Because you are still on a like on the way to the lake of fire. This guy, they asked him, who is this Jesus? He said, you know, if he's a, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is he touched my eyes and now I can see. Listen, friend, I don't believe he was saved in verse 25. The second reason that, that I don't believe he was saved whenever he got his eyesight is because I, I believe we know where he got saved. And that's down in verse number 35. He says this, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This man had been cast out by the Pharisees. And Jesus went and found him. I love that. And he said to him, Dost thou believe the Son of God? Listen to what he says. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast, I love this, Thou hast both, both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Here it is, verse number 38. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. It was his affliction that first introduced him to Jesus. It was his affliction that would eventually lead him to trusting Christ as a Savior. You know, this guy had some pretty incredible experiences. 
But it wasn't his experiences that saved him. He, he had some good answers to give to the religious crowd. In fact, verses 27 through 34, we find that the religious crowd, the Pharisees, begin to question him and bring things up and ask him things. And he answered them, I've told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we not from whence, know not from whence he is. Speaking of Jesus. And the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is. And yet he hath opened my eyes. Now... God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not God, he could not do it, or he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Listen, this guy had, he had a lot of things right. He knew a lot of the right verbiage. He knew how to say a lot of the right things. I mean, right away, he had a very quick, I mean, indoctrination and some doctrinal speaking. He had the right answers. He even went on defense on behalf of Jesus. He probably could have divined words like propitiation and justification that are hard words sometimes to define. Maybe he could have recited the Old Testament books in order. I don't know. And he was probably a good person because how much trouble could a blind guy get into? But in the end, it wasn't any of those things that saved him. No, it was verse number 38. When he recognized who he was and called him Lord. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's Jesus in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Listen, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That was Jesus. In Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. Who is it? Jesus Christ. He recognized Jesus was God. And listen, he believed on him. It wasn't anything that he could do that could save him from the payment of the lake of fire. There was nothing that he could do to obtain it on his own. Because the Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one, for all sin to come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And in Romans 4, 4, it says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In Titus 3, 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It was only by putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to forgive him for his sins that he was saved. Romans 4, 5, But to him that worketh not, 
but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered unto him and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in Romans chapter number 10, Paul makes it so clear that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Friend, this man was born blind so that God's work could be shown in his life. So that this man, through his affliction, could meet Jesus. And it would lead him to the place that he would look and say, I don't know where else to go. All I know is that if you are the one, then I trust in you. And Jesus looked at him and says, hey, listen, you don't know who the Lord is? Let me tell you, the one that you've seen with your eyes. And that's speaking to you right now. That's the one. He said, Lord, I believe. Friend, it could be that maybe you've been brought through trials and afflictions in your life so that you could be here this morning for this point. Maybe you're watching online today and, and, and God had it all set up so that you could hear just this moment and this point and this message so you could get settled once and for all. That it doesn't matter what you experience in life. It doesn't matter what events that you have been through that you can point back to. Listen, I've heard some amazing stories of people that have seen lights after accidents and had warm, fuzzy feelings and... Just this last week, we were sitting down next to a couple that we were talking with them, and they had just left the Mormon church and uh, the Mormon religion, and, and they were talking with us, and they said, you know, I said, one of the big things is there's such an emphasis on that burning, that feeling, that emotion that someone has. Friend, it doesn't matter what experience you may have experienced, friend. The only thing that matters is what this book says. And you may have seen a light, you may have had an experience, and, and, and I don't want to take away from anybody's experience, but an experience does not get you any closer to heaven. The only thing that will get you closer to heaven is trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, because that's the only way. Yesterday, Tressa and I were trying to fly home from, uh, from down in, in Florida, and we, were, we got to the Miami uh, airport there, and, and uh, we got in there, and we thought... I had, some of the, I had some passes, some complimentary passes to get, be able to get into a United lounge. We, had some, we were flying with United, and it was like, oh, this is going to be fun, you know, to be able to go in there and we just relax, and they've got all kinds of stuff, and, you know, you're kind of the higher up, you know, and, I mean, you know, you seem important, right, you know, and so that was, that was in our mind, and, and we got there, and we realized they didn't have a United lounge, and we were like, you've got to be kidding. And uh, we walked along, and there was this sign for Turkish, I think it was Turkish Airways or something, and underneath it, it says, you know, Turkish Airways Lounge. Uh, but then it said, you know, they accepted all these different lines, and at the very bottom was the United, United Pass. And we're like, all right, this is going to be good. And, uh, and so we, we took the elevator, we got up there, and, uh, you know, you get up to the top, and, and, you know, you walk in the elevator one way, and it opens up on the backside, and you walk out, and you kind of walk around, and, and, yet, and there's these big glass doors, and they open up, and it's just like, man. This is luxury, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, we, we walk into there, and, and I pull out the passes on my phone, and I go to scan them, and she says, 
those aren't the right passes. What are you talking about? These are the, uh, these are the passes that we have. They're complimentary, and uh, you should accept them. You know, and, and, and she said, no, no, no. If you want to be in this lounge, you can't just have those passes. You have to be a gold member. And it's just like, what in the world? Like, are you kidding? I almost like just took off running past her, you know, and like try, try to catch me and uh, grab as many bananas before we, they kick us out, you know, and uh, I, I didn't know what, but she, she would not let us, she, well, she would have. She was like, you can spend $99 and then you can get, and it was like, yeah, right. And so uh, you had to have the right pass to get in. And the truth is this, so many people think they're going to get to heaven because of the things that they've done, what they have. Oh yeah, look, look, I was baptized as a good person. Look at my experiences that I had. And Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because there's only one path to get into heaven, and that path is, is Jesus Christ. Today, friend, just as Jesus asked the blind man that was healed from his blindness... Do you believe? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Kyle, I, I do believe, but I've been spending a lot of my life saying, why God? Why is this happening? And maybe today, as we pulled back the veil for just a moment, you can see, just maybe, it's so that the works of God can be man- made manifest in your life so that you can go out from from what God does in your life and the experience and the thing that you are taken through and you can go and you can find somebody else and you can say listen once I was blind just like you but now I see and Fred I don't know who you need to tell your story to I don't know what you're going through that when you get on the other side you'll have the opportunity to share it with but I hope you'll take full advantage of this opportunity that God has given you. Because listen, God never wastes a trial. He never wastes an affliction. He always has a purpose and a reason. And I hope this morning you'll see God works through our afflictions to bring himself glory. And I hope you'll claim that this morning. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our service. It's going to take a few moments here. And, and maybe you want to spend a few moments in prayer with the Lord. And, and uh, maybe you're going through some things even in your own life. And you just want to say, God, help me. Help me to trust you through it. Help me, God, to, to, to rely on you, to depend on you. God, maybe you're allowing me to go through some things t- to show the power of faith. And, and, and my faith has been wavering. God, would you help me to trust you a little bit more? Maybe say, listen, I, God, God's done some things in my life and I need to take time to, to talk about it, to share with others. God's given me this opportunity to share what Jesus has done in my life. And, and today, I, oh, God's spoken to me about that. And I want to share with somebody. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've been playing a game. You've been doing a lot of things, but you've never truly accepted him. I hope today will be the day you don't put it off. Don't depend on your experiences, on things that you've done, on things that have happened. No, no, no. There's only one person that you can depend on. That's on Jesus. And I hope you'll put your faith and trust in him and him alone. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, we're just going to have a few moments of quiet. And I hope that you'll take a moment and spend time in prayer to the Lord.
And uh, just, just spend that time just asking the Lord, speaking to, allowing Him to speak to your heart. And, and I hope that you respond to Him as He speaks to you. You pray there and then in just a moment we'll pray together as we finish up our service.